she comes out and the consultant's like you look so great and you could just see her face she was just like and even my face I was like that is the ugliest dress I've ever seen (laughs) that's immediately immediately I thought that and then the person said you look so good and I was like god help this girl (laughs) hello clowns I'm Ami I'm Yu Chen, and we're the hosts of Clown Vibes Podcast. We're two best friends who get together to laugh and discuss a variety of topics, from all things pop culture to navigating through adulthood as Asian Americans, and more with our own clown spin, of course. We're so glad to have you here to clown around with us, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, Clown Vibes. Ami, how are you feeling? I am semi back from the dead. I have spent probably 10 hours awake in the last 72 hours. So, you know, hoping to be awake six hours today. That would be nice. (laughs) Um, I mean, it's true because um, she has been sick this past week, but we have powered through it in order to get today's episode recorded and up for our 30 fans <laughs> on Monday. <laughs> 30 going on 40. <laughs> Last night I almost texted you like, God, should we just push up a different episode and move this one back? Like, I don't know if I can do it. But this morning I woke up and I was like, no, it's time to be a human again. And I'm going to pretend like I'm fine so that hopefully my body gets on board. Okay, I have clown news to report to you since you've been okay. unalive for Dead. the past <laughs> <laughs> please tell me <laughs> uber's current or quote-unquote former um head of d and i had to step down because mm-hmm. of her like support or like her moderation in this dei initiative called don't call me Karen and I know (laughs) so I heard about this because I actually follow the um, head of DE and I at Uber on LinkedIn of all places but she is an Asian woman Um, Mm -hmm. and I think like this initiative was a part of the broader strategy to have thoughtful conversations on race diversity and equity um, at Uber for their employees. And there are like so many different types of conversations. But of course, this one was focused on white women and their experience. <laughs> and oh my God, the fact that it's called Don't Call Me Karen, who approved this? <laughs> I know. Every time I think about Uber, uh... I'm just like, they seem like such a mature company, but they're actually not because who in the world would like say this is okay to have? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they are. Like, I think they're a like public company that operates like a startup, like so many yeah. of these tech companies. Like my company does that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just thought it, was funny that this this actually happened like twice like this conversation happened twice they probably thought it was so funny and no they were serious 
Really? That's more embarrassing. And it's also the only people who get upset with the word Karen or being called Karens are actually Karens. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. I feel like if Definitely. I was white, like, I wouldn't be offended by it. Yeah. Oh, my God. That, like, I've been watching Selling Sunset this week a little bit when I've been alive. And there's, like, a scene where Chriselle tells this new girl, Nicole, like, you're cracked out. And everyone just just looking at her like, oh, my God, what's going on? But, like, no one's saying, no, she's not. And, like, then she goes and takes, like, a drug, drug test and whatever. But everyone in their, like, interview bites is like, you know, if someone told me I was a druggie, I would just laugh because I'm not a druggie. <laughs> like, that's the same. Like, this is the same vibe of, like. If you were called a Karen, you'd just be like, okay, whatever. But, like, the people who are clearly Karens, like, she's clearly on drugs, Mm -hmm. is taking so much offense to it. (laughs) You need to watch something sunset. Okay. I'm, like, I think I stopped at season three. What season are they on? Oh, my God. Like, six or seven. Six, maybe. Don't don't catch up. Just watch the season. Yeah. Should we get into our topic today? Yeah. So today we're going to talk about Mama Rush and center the conversation more around the new documentary and um, our thoughts on it. So, Yuch, what is Mama Rush? Give us the background. Okay, Bama Rush stands for Alabama Rush, and it basically outlines the sorority rush experience of these four girls and for our audience members who maybe did not go to like a school that had a big greek life scene i mean and also i mean we both went to ut but i didn't even really know what rush was before i joined but essentially it's like the week or so before school starts where prospective girls from that are incoming into the school basically try out to be a part of a all girls organization. Like an example would be Kayo, Pi Phi, Beauty Pi, like all these Greek letters that you see smushed together. (laughs) (laughs) Those are sororities. (laughs) And we decided to like talk about this because obviously like we went to a big Greek life school. And so we have, we weren't in sororities, but we have like secondhand knowledge of like the impact of mm-hmm. Greek life on the student community. And I myself was enraptured by Bama Rush TikTok in 2021. Were you like, did you ever participate or like was an onlooker of Bama Rush on TikTok? I wasn't like, I would see some videos every once in a while, like the get ready with me ones. Mm-hmm. But I was not following the stories, and I don't really know what was going on. Okay, let me give the audience and you, like, the backstory of why HBO did this documentary. Back in, like, August of 2021, out of nowhere, these girls who are, like, 17, 18, decides to start posting their, like, day-to-day outfits and their experience rushing these sororities some common videos that we saw was like get ready with me what am I wearing and it just like became such an internet sensation I remember 
me and Pee were in like a deep hole watching these videos for like <laughs> three hours straight. I was actually unwell. I only did like season one, <laughs> season one of Bama Rush in 2021. When it came back in 2022, I was like, I can't do this. My mind is mm-hmm. like rotting. Um, but I remember <laughs> I was like so obsessed with Find You. I think that is the sorority that was like super popular. Okay. But there, there was this one girl. I don't even know her name. Her videos became like super popular. She wasn't a perspective like Rushy, but she was actually in one of the sororities and she had short hair and her outfits were just so cute. And I think what like people mm-hmm. loved about Bama Rush, like the original mm-hmm. TikTok trend, was it just gave everyone a glimpse into what was like a very not exclusive, but like closed door type of experience that you would only kind of understand or know if you actually participated in. But because like Mm -hmm. TikTok is open to like such a wide audience, everyone got to kind of like experience that for the first time. It was like opening the blinds a little bit, Um, which is kind of like Mm -hmm. what HBO really wanted to do. And we'll kind of get into it. But in any case, the documentary follows these four prospective Rashis, or what do they call it? PMs. PNMs. PNMs. Potential members. new members. Um, and of course, like they pick the school, like Alabama, because Alabama has like one of quote unquote like the biggest and most competitive rush experience. Um, but yeah, let's get into it. So, I mean, you watched. Um the documentary what were your like first impressions okay I think like the documentary started off being like okay this is gonna be interesting like they set it up pretty well and then maybe like 20-30 minutes I was like where is this going (laughs) and then I think that there was never any real plot I feel like they jumped around to so many different things that I think I heard like so many buzzwords Mm -hmm. like whatever buzzwords are for Bama Rush but I never understood a single thing (laughs) (laughs) except for the director has alopecia that's like the only thing that is stuck in my mind (laughs) yeah the documentary was only an hour and 40 minutes um so really Mm -hmm. quick watch but I don't know I feel like documentaries can go so many different ways but isn't the point of a documentary to kind of just like show the insides of like what actually was happening and I feel like and this goes towards the concept of like Greek life and sorority life but I think the reason why it was only an hour and 40 minutes and like half of it was about the director's alopecia is because they just could not get any like information from anyone because everyone's so like tight-lipped about it. Yeah, which shouldn't they have known going into it? Like, I'm confused what they thought they were going to be able to do. And then once they realized they weren't really going to be able to deliver, maybe like abandoned ship. I don't know. Before we jump in, I just like to give a little disclaimer. Obviously, we're talking about the HBO documentary. And the purpose of a documentary is to show like the quote-unquote truth but obviously we're only getting an hour and 40 minutes of the people in these documentaries and we don't know their lives we don't know them but we're just speaking about like what we're seeing in the documentary um let's talk about the four like girls that they follow so it's shelby who is an 
incoming freshman mm-hmm. from California. Isabel from no no she's from Illinois yeah, or something Midwest, yeah the yeah somewhere and then Isabel who's from California she's also an incoming freshman uh Holiday and Michaela who are cur- freshmen going into their sophomore years mm-hmm. I liked the mix that they picked for the show um seeing like Shelby who so clearly is like she portrays like this very southern belle which is like the characteristic mm-hmm. of like the prime candidate for Alabama sorority and then Isabel who clearly stated like she didn't even know that she wanted to go to Alabama until she saw like Bama Rush take off on TikTok um, but she's like giving a different perspective to everything and then Holiday who actually is a sophomore but like was in a sorority her freshman year at Bama but then she got dropped by her sorority, and now she's, like, trying to rush again into a different sorority. And then Michaela, who is, like, was best friends with Holiday or something, and <laughs> they um, – or she, like, didn't rush a sorority her freshman year, but, like, felt really left out. So she, like, wants to be a part of it now in her sophomore year. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the incoming freshmen. What – or, like, what are your thoughts on them? I love Shelby. I love her, like, energy. I have hesitations about her because I just feel like she is doing everything for clout <laughs> as a very, like, mm-hmm. simplified way to say this. Um, like, I think she doesn't really know who she wants to be and her entire life she's been following this track of like what it means to be a good role model as a female which is great like we do need like really great positive role models but at the same time I think she's very calculated in everything that she's doing including doing this documentary um and rushing at Bama and I say this because before I even watch the documentary I got a video on TikTok of her putting out a disclaimer that, yes, people are going to see her in this documentary, but she actually dropped out of the process because she was sold on an idea that this documentary wasn't going to be what it ended up being. Um, She thought it was, like, going to be about a way to, like, lift up women and, like, show, like, the true nature of sisterhood or something, like, more positive than what the documentary Uh was going to be about. And she... As you, like, watch the documentary, you'll find that she, like, drops out. Um, but I say she's, like, very calculated because she was, like, on social media documenting her experience, like, way before she even started rushing. Like, she had a social media, expe- uh, like, a social media. Yeah. What is it? Account. Yeah. Presence. But, like, yeah. a pretty okay. big presence. Um, and then yeah. I, like, scrolled through a lot of her videos. And, like, even towards, like, when she started rushing, she was repping these, like, green powders. You know those, like, energy green powders? Interesting. And it's so yeah, funny yeah. because I had learned from a previ- another influencer, like, a day before that you get a hell of money for repping those powders. And so I feel like <laughs> her, like, joining this documentary and having this yeah. presence and, like, documenting her experience, like, so closely, it's all for, like, her brand. 
Oh, for sure. As soon as she came on and we realized, like, they started filming this in, what, October 2021? Mm-hmm. I was like, how did they find these girls so immediately? Like, she must have been already on TikTok being like, I'm going to do this too. Yeah. Um. What did she – well, and she's, like, a really strong contrast to Isabel. Like, what did you think about Isabel? Mm-hmm. I – honestly like felt really sad for Isabel like one part that really stands out to me is when she's saying like my friends know one side of me my family loves a different side of me and I just want to be in a group that like knows all sides of me and loves me and that is heartbreaking and also such high expectations to put on an organization that you really don't know anything about well first of all you don't know which house you're gonna get into Second of all, like, that's, I don't know. It's just a lot. What's clownish is I'm just like, why, if that's the case, why do you think a sorority is going to have a bunch of girls who will love you for who you are? If anything, girls are so mean, especially during college. Yeah. And like, you can really tell that she got just such a glorified version of the sororities through Bama Rush TikTok and she says she goes to or she wants to go to Alabama just because mm-hmm. of Bama Rush TikTok like that's not real and it made me really sad also the fact that she was working with a Rush consultant yes. I never knew that that existed I was shook by the fact that it's a thing Okay, and I don't know. Wait, I just felt really sad to for the him. audience. Like, what is a rush consultant? Okay, so basically, like you know, a college consultant that helps you get into college. There's an equivalent for rush. So there's a rush con- consultant that helps you, like stand or I guess practice for rushing and gives you tips and tricks on like how to be a good rushy so that you can hopefully get into the like house you want to get into so I guess they talk about like what not to talk about like how to present yourself and that in itself is already like you're putting on a front like how are they gonna like you for you if you're not you know being true to who you are I think the whole I love how they not I love but like I do love how they interviewed so many rush consultants um because it Uh shows like how serious some people take this process but what the documentary doesn't really explain is that there's a lot of biases that goes into the process it's not a fair process first of all pretty privilege exists um in the real world but it is like magnified in the rush experience whether you're at bama or somewhere else like ut um, mm-hmm. Like in the documentary, they do a good job at explaining like the types of women that they're looking for, and it's pretty and wealthy. And even like our friend who was in a sorority and went through Rush at UT, like basically confirmed that like they do ask about yeah. like your family background, and the consultants even confirm like they will look you up and look up your family. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it just it adds such an icky layer to everything. And these are grown women who are like, this is their job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I think is so wild. And they take you and shopping. Also, like, 
I don't know if that was just for the yeah. show, though. Yeah, who knows? You know what? I wouldn't put it past them. Like, I think it just adds such a weird layer. Like, these people are so stuck in their sorority days. And it's just a lot. I don't know. That was really shocking to me. Her, Isabel's whole story is really sad. Like, a lot of aspects are really sad. And in a way, I feel like she was maybe a little bit exploited by this documentary having to share it I felt really sad after watching the documentary I mean we texted about it but I like went on her TikTok and I think she's feeling really positive about it so I don't know if it's just like us being so removed from the sorority experience Mm -hmm. but like we have a completely different view of like Greek life than I think what those who are in it right now have and I think it's just like such an interesting dynamic especially the next two um girls I think we should talk about them together about Holiday and Michaela their stories <laughs> made me sad because when they first yeah. started like showing them together in the first thing that came into my mind was like they already found sisterhood like isn't this the whole mm-hmm. point of rushing sorority is like finding friends that like Good girlfriends are actually love you for who you are and yet they don't see that and even like throughout the documentary you find out that they go through like a little friendship breakup which is really sad to witness heartbreaking yeah yeah and like there's there's stories I guess especially holidays of like getting kicked out I have seen so many stories like that on TikTok where it's kind of just like if whoever kind of in charge of the sorority doesn't really like you then like any minor infraction you're out Mm -hmm. but there are obviously so many other girls doing the same things and it's fine because it is really hard to police like what 300 girls and their rules are so dumb like remember it was like yeah can't leave the house with wet hair or you have to have like two out of the three things done like your hair your makeup or your outfit it's just like Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. not that serious and like for what yeah I would get in trouble today it was like no wet hair on the first floor of the house (laughs) I'm just like why dude (laughs) like imagine that's probably where the kitchen is and you're hungry and you just got done studying you took a shower and you're like I gotta get food but I have to blow dry my hair (laughs) dead (laughs) and that's just like the tip of the iceberg i'm sure of course like they're not going to tell us the dumbest rules um because i mean even if you're not a current member but you're like an alum Mm -hmm. you're still very tight-lipped about it it's yeah cult-like and kind of scary how the panhellenic like council or the association just rules everything with like an iron fist yeah you know what i thought was super interesting that i wish that they would have like like elaborated on was the machine like when that part came up i was like whoa like where's this going what does this mean they said nothing And like two seconds later (laughs) they said nothing yeah and then i was confused and i had to like google it myself to know and i still don't really understand like the machine is basically a secret society of greek life people who then rule the school pretty much like, was that what your 
Okay, so the machine is just a scary way to say, like, people from certain of Greek life, both sororities and fraternities, get together and, like, try to influence, like, student council, mm-hmm. rules at the school, just, like, life in general. And it just doesn't surprise me. It doesn't – it just – it was given yeah. a scary name. I am pretty sure something like this happens at UT. Honestly, it kind of reminded sure. me of UBC a little bit. <laughs> and they just like <laughs> take themselves a little bit too seriously. So seriously, yeah. <laughs> and despite the name, the machine, despite it being at Bama, this like dynamic of like legacy positions or like positions of power or passed down from like certain groups to certain groups like if you think everything is fair in society it's not like this is actual representation I think of like what happens in politics unfortunately and it's mm-hmm. just given oh, for a sure. stupid name at Bama <laughs> yeah okay let's go back to um Michaela and Holiday for a sec because okay Michaela's story is the one that actually made me the most sad. I don't know if you like felt that way. So I think part of Michaela's story is that Mm -hmm. she's half black, half white. And Mm -hmm. I just got the sense that she was really uncomfortable or not uncomfortable, but she was kind of floundering and was unsure of like which part she identified with. And it doesn't mean you have to pick a side, but I think she really struggled with, like, understanding Mm -hmm. how to balance that. Um, I'm not mixed. I mean, you're not mixed, but I'm sure mixed kids will understand that dynamic. Um, And I think what's really interesting in the documentary is they do talk about the difference between, like, Panhellenic and then the D9 Mm -hmm. sororities, which are historically black stories and the difference in the cultures one of the interviewees she wasn't one of the like main girls but she was like a current girl in one of the like lesser known sororities and she was explaining how like if she was more comfortable with her blackness she would have maybe rushed a d9 sorority instead and it just like goes back to the concept of these girls just want to fit in like at such a critical Mm -hmm. point in their life they're just looking for ways to fit in but it's actually really sad that there's only so many personalities that you can adopt during this like pivotal time in your life it's either d9 or panhellenic or i guess you like don't rush Mm -hmm. but then you're off to like fend for yourself for friends i don't know it just like yeah people are more complex than that is like where my head was at when I heard this for sure and you're like so young having to make these decisions and it's a lot and rush starts before rush starts like it starts in the summer and if you don't know that like you're already behind Mm -hmm. and that's already like very overwhelming when Michaela's or coach was like trying to guide her through everything mm-hmm. and like taking her photos. I was just like, oh, these are probably going to be like the worst photos that have ever <laughs> come out. 
Yeah. And, like, whenever Michaela was having to make, like, that video or whatever that they have to do, I just felt so bad for her. Like, she didn't want – she didn't seem like she wanted to be doing these things. And it was, like, really contradictory to her, like, being to do it. But, like, she was doing it because she wanted to fit in so much. And it wasn't who she was. Like, I wanted to scream – at the like tv like this isn't you like the her whole Mm -hmm. scene of like getting dressed by her consultant Uh, she comes out and the consultant's like you look so great and you could just see her face she was just like and even my face i was like that is the ugliest dress i've ever seen (laughs) that's immediately immediately i thought that and then the person said you look so good and i was like god help this girl Oh my gosh, the scenes where like Michaela, both Michaela and Holiday, and Holiday is, or not Holiday, uh, Isabel. Isabel is a white blonde mm-hmm. girl. When both mm-hmm. of them are getting highlights to lighten up their hair to become oh, blonde, yeah. I'm just like, uh, please, for the love of God, help these girls. <sighs> yeah, I know. And the fact that they're like rush consultants are encouraging this is sick behavior. Ah. <laughs> All right, so as we are getting the stories of these four girls, we're also, to <laughs> everyone's surprise, also getting the story of the director. <laughs> and that really came out of left field. I don't know. What are your thoughts on the director's take in the documentary? The first time she tried to relate her own story to the situation, I was like, okay, like, maybe this is because Holiday directly asked her kind of a question about, like, her being bald. And so she wanted to give context to it. They didn't want to cut that part out, something. But then when it kept on going, I was like, I truly don't really care about this. Like, um sure like this is this is a story for a different documentary like it's taking away time from me learning about rush okay this was not the like purpose (laughs) i mean the way that they connected it to the story was about how and she's right all these girls do is like want to fit in they want to fit in so badly and like she was explaining how i mean she has alopecia which means like I don't know the exact scientific goings on in her body, but she doesn't have hair. And she's, she's had to mm-hmm. wear a wig her entire life. And I get it. Like, you do want to fit into society. But that is For a sure. completely different desire and experience than going through, like, wanting to fit in a society that has been crafted and molded to fit a certain like stereotype that is really driven by I think like race and wealth in America Mm -hmm. um yeah I, I understood like why she was adding her perspective in it was just like a clear and I think this became more clear towards the end when the rumors were coming out and they were basically getting shut down like the documentary or it was like getting much harder for them that's like oh she basically wove her story in to like eat up some time 
And I would rather the documentary have just been shorter. (laughs) Yeah, I really (laughs) think, I mean, people on TikTok also hated it. It, I was like, am I a bad person? I really just wanted to like, when I first texted you, I was just like testing the water. (laughs) But then everyone on TikTok like had the same reaction. So I feel a lot better about it. And it's like no hate to the director. I just think it like, it just didn't make sense for the documentary. I will say the like last scene where she's like swimming, you you find out that she's the one that's been swimming in the lake with Isabel. And Isabel was like, Mm -hmm. this is like a core memory for me of like them swimming together I thought it was like really cute and in a way mm-hmm. the director what's her name Rachel yeah she like does become this like mentor to this girl that mm-hmm. I think they actually really need in their lives and that's actually the intention of a sorority is to provide you sisters that will help like lift you up and guide you through life and I mean, we know this about, like, Greek life, but that's not really always the case when you're given a big Mm -hmm. or it can be a really toxic environment to a lot of girls. But the flip side is Rachel is actually giving them some guidance and serving as, like, a big sister to them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. How did you feel watching the scenes? I think, like, the one about – a holiday being at the gym and like looking at herself in the mirror uh it just made me sad and also it's just so relatable it's just a very normal thing that teenage girls go through I went through it I'm sure most people did and it's just sad that it's so relatable and so tied to like their rush experience as well I mean I'm sure the girls like Mm -hmm. feel the same way but like part of being in a sorority is you have to keep up with your appearances and I hate that there's so much pressure with like the concept of being accepted into their sorority and what they look like like there is a direct Mm -hmm. correlation Mm -hmm. and I hate that like because little girls and like girls their age or will always struggle with this. I hate that we are adding another layer of complexity into it that's, like, fueling the desire to look a certain way. Yeah. Yeah, and it just, Holiday's situation in general just made me sad because she must have thought something was worth it in her first experience Mm -hmm. to redo it, or, like, think that she wanted to redo it. And... I'm glad, like, ultimately she decides not to, but... Both her and Michaela. It sucks that she wasted... Yeah. It sucks that she wasted, like, her freshman year basically, like, prepping for rushing again when she could have just spent it, like, enjoying her time. Towards the end of the film, you find out that Michaela is no longer, like, completing her rush experience. I have a question. Do you think she actually dropped out on her own or did she get dropped by her sororities? Man. I don't know. I hope she dropped out on her own. Like, I hope when she was filming that weird video, she was just like, this ain't it. Yeah. I mean, that was painful to watch. 
But I mm-hmm. I just had this feeling that she got dropped by the sororities mm-hmm. because like you can tell she can't fake it. She just doesn't have yeah. that like uppity personality that for some reason is required for Rush when like everyone yeah. is dead and no one's like that in real life. No. Yeah, oh my god. I can't even imagine having to do that for that many days. And then continuing to do that every year. Um, the whole like concept of Rush is just honestly so archaic because mm-hmm. what they don't really I mean, they talk about it a little bit in the documentary, but it's all about acceptance. And then the flip side is rejection. And there are lots of cases where these girls, I mean, there are like what, 10-ish, 12-ish sororities that you're rushing there's a likelihood that you get dropped from every single one. And the sadness that you feel, just Mm -hmm. no girl should have to go through that because at the end of the day, you getting dropped is not really, does not speak to who you you. are as a person. Like they're dropping you because your parents aren't rich enough or Mm -hmm. you're not fitting the look that they're looking for, which is just so stupid. It has nothing to do with sisterhood. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, like, they have met you for, what, 30 minutes of your mm-hmm. life? The, who are they to tell you, you know? And we asked, uh, like, one of our friends who went through this at UT, and didn't she say she, like, because she didn't really know about what the Rush experience was like, she didn't know that there were, like, different tiers, and mm-hmm. that they would just drop you on the first day without even like really giving you a chance, like without talking to you. And there are specific rules about rush. Like it is regulated (laughs) to some extent (laughs) and you're supposed to give every girl a chance, but some sororities will decide to take the fine instead because I don't know, they're elitist and yeah, pretty much there's no other way to just take the fine and not talk to you. Yeah. That's just like, just, Talk to them. I don't know. That is sick. Sick behavior. Clown behavior. And the last point that I do want to make as I was, like, watching this is obviously, like, these concepts of, like, social classes, wealth, and beauty, and acceptance. We're speaking about it in the confines of, like, Greek life. But this Mm -hmm. happens, like, all throughout society and it's just played out in a very like strange bubble but these like themes that we're talking about like acceptance like beauty standards races Mm -hmm. and the like hierarchy between social classes it exists like at the school it exists like in their state exists like in our nation and what people don't realize is like what you're disgusted by in Bama Rush. It's just, it exists everywhere. Yeah. It's very sad to, I guess, like realize that. I mean, we've known, but it's easy to watch this and be like, oh my God, that's so wild. And then if you think about it for like two minutes, you're like, ah, that's just life. <laughs> Yeah, like, as we were watching this, I mean, we talked about it a little bit afterwards, but it's very eerily similar to 
mm-hmm. recruiting for a company. Um, yeah. You know, we talk about pretty privilege, like with work, but also with just life in general, people who are more put together and look a certain mm-hmm. way based on the like beauty standard that men have dictated get yeah more benefits in life and if you're more upbeat like you are seen as having like a fun personality that also takes you really far and it doesn't actually like mean anything right like you could be more subdued Mm -hmm. and like still be fun but you're not that's not the like what society equates as having a fun personality before we wrap this up, would you let your daughter ever rush a sorority? Oh, God. Probably not. I think, like, being Indian, like, it would be extra hard, right? It would be, like, you're going through the normal judgment, but then plus you're not white. <laughs> So that's just like an added layer. So I probably wouldn't. Maybe if I were were white, potentially, but still probably not. Also, I don't want to pay for it. It's so expensive. <laughs> yeah. Like so, so expensive. So I, I just don't think I would. I would be like Russia business frat. I was in a business frat. <laughs> And I think I did learn a lot of valuable skills from that that were applicable to life, but in a more, like, um, controlled environment that wasn't as toxic. Well, it was pretty toxic, but not in the same ways. (laughs) Would you let your daughter rush? I feel like my parenting style, I mean, I say this now without any kids, but... I would want to, like, let them choose their own path. Yeah. Um, If it was at, like, a big 12 school, maybe not. Like, I wouldn't, like, really want to support that. But if they were insistent, mm-hmm. then yes. Um, but it's not like, like, my background would get them into <laughs> a sorority. Yeah. So maybe they yeah. won't get into like- one anyways. <laughs> Yeah, I just would be scared. Like, obviously, if they wanted to do it, it'd be like, sure, you can do it. But, like, I would like you to know that there are many risks involved with this. And then also you have to pay for it yourself somehow. <laughs> Get a job. Like, I'm not shelling, yeah, I'm not shelling out double tuition so that you can be in a sorority. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. You can follow us on all social media at Clown Vibes Podcast or email us at clownvibespodcast at gmail.com. And if you like our show and want to support us, please like, subscribe, and give us a rating and review. That's it for today. Bye, clowns. Bye, clowns.